Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Salt Mines X-Wing podcast, a podcast dedicated to the backbone of the X-Wing community. That's right, people just like you doing what they can to get better at the game. I'm your host, Sailor Joe, and we've got a lot to talk about in this episode, so we're going to get right into it, heading into our first segment. List building with Joe. One of the things that we're going to talk about here very soon is the uh, most recent points updates that have come out. It's not just Battle of Endor stuff. There have been a few tweaks here and there. We'll get into those. But let's talk about the big bad that's on everyone's mind when it comes to list building. And that's the Empire Aces. So what are we talking about when we're talking about Empire Aces? Well, we're talking about a 7652 squad. And... Uh, Four cards. Talk about saving you on table space. But what are those four cards? So the first thing that we'll start with is our Black Squadron Ace. That's right, a two-point TIE LN Fighter. No upgrades, no nothing, just two points. The next one is the next least expensive piece, and that's the Battle of Indoor Suntir Fell. Complete with Apex Predator, which is why you perform a primary attack. If the defender initi- defender's initiative is lower than yours, you may reroll one attack die. No Escape, which is why you perform a primary attack. If there are more friendly ships than other enemy ships at range 0 to 1 of the defender, you may reroll one of your blank results. Blank Signature, which is while defending, if you are not locked by the attacker, you may spend one charge, and this is one charge recurring, to change one eyeball result to an evade result, and feedback emitters. This is a standard upgrade card, by the way, which uh, reads, after an object acquires a lock on you, you may spend one to jam that object, ignoring range restrictions. This this upgrade's charge may not be recovered. So, essentially, this is like a better um, false transponder codes because you choose when to set it off. So that's Suntir Fell and Battle of Endor. The next one is uh, Squad Pack Darth Vader. You could also run Battle of Yavin Darth Vader. And uh, that's Darth Vader. So this one is Darth Vader with hate, ion missiles, and afterburners. And his pilot ability in the pack, for those that don't know, is after you perform an action, you may spend one charge to perform an action. I just realized I didn't talk about Suntir Fell's pilot ability from Battle of Endor, so let's talk about that here for a second. So that's after you perform an attack, you may spend one charge, you have two charges, and gain a deplete token to boost or barrel roll. So uh, essentially Turfiners. Um, pilot ability, but at I-6, meaning that you could swoop in there with Suntir Fell, use his Apex Predator, no escape, get all the rerolls that you need, um, and then as soon as you're done, you can spin that charge and boost a barrel roll to get out. Now, he's also rocking sensitive controls. <clears throat> all right, and then the last one, last ship that we'll talk about in this mess of uh, I-6s, and for those keeping count, we've got two already with a Black Squadron Ace coming in at I-3. You've got Colonel Jendon, who's also an I-6, whose pilot ability reads... Let me 
get there. Uh, while you defend, if you are not shielded, you may change one of your blank results to a focus result. Um, his also got the chassis ability of Shish Engineering, which is after you execute a speed 3-5 to five maneuver, you may perform a target lock action. While attacking, if you are not stressed, you may spend one shield to apply a range 1 bonus. Now, that may not seem like much, but he's Rocket No Escape, which we read about on, uh, on Suntirfell. Um, he's also got Push the Limit, which is after you perform a red maneuver or perform a red action. If you are not strained, you may gain one strain token to remove one stress token. Uh, proton Cannons, which we all know what that does. Gross, especially because you can apply the range bonus on that. So if you've got a, you could do a five dice range three bullseye attack with this I-6. And for the last thing, he's got computer assisted handling, which is after you fully execute a maneuver, you may spend one charge, you have one, to perform a boost or barrel roll action. So you can do that once a game. So essentially what you've got is a 6663 squad. Um, highly maneuverable aces that will punish you and uh, do all of their damage potentially at I6. Um, certainly looks like a scary squad on paper. Um, is it going to be the new menace? I don't think so. I think these pieces have the potential to be part of a menace list, but I don't think that this is um, as scary as it looks on paper. Now, I haven't flown against it. I haven't flown it. I don't know. Um, this is just my initial thoughts on it. But with that said, if you have any questions or comments, put them in the Discord. The link's in the show notes. And let's head into our next segment. AMG Rules Forum. Now, as you know, I every week we go through the uh, AMG Rules Forum, and if there's nothing in the Rules Forum, then we go to the Rules Reference Guide. Well, guess what? There's nothing new in the Rules Forum as of this week, as of the uh, 7th of February 2024. So let's go ahead and go into dive into that rules document. And this week we are going to look at once per opportunity. I think this is important and we kind of miss it sometimes. So let's read what it says. Once per opportunity. Many abilities are restricted to occur once per opportunity, which means that they can be resolved only one time during the specified timing window. For example, if an ability occurs at the start of the engagement phase, this ability can only be resolved once at the start of each engagement phase. Another example, if the ship has the ability while you perform an attack, you may reroll one attack die, it may resolve that ability once during each of its attacks. And then the next part is and or, and this effect refers to the results separated by slashes, it means any combination of those results. For example, if an ability refers to two hit slash so and or crit results, this would indicate two hit results, two crit results, or one hit and one crit result. So it's important that we know all of that stuff, especially if we want to get better at the game. It's important to know what the rules are. So again, if you have any questions or concerns, 
put it in the Discord, and let's head into our next segment. And now it's time for the main event! And this week, I've got a special treat for you. We're not going to talk about one different thing. We're not going to talk about two different things. In fact, we are going to talk about three different topics. Um, kind of putting a lot into a single episode. I might regret that in the weeks to come. But uh, that's what I'm feeling like today. So that's just what we're going to go with. And the first thing that we're going to talk about is the thing that's probably on all of your mind is points upgrade. That's right. What happened with them? As I turn away from the mic, what happened with them? What, um, what did we see? What changed? Is it just Battle of Endor stuff? Well, if you ask any of those questions, the wait is no longer. So, here we go. We're going to start with Imperial. And the first change that we see on the points docket is Captain Faroff. In the Reaper. Now, that's not a Battle of Endor ship. So, we can see automatically right off the bat, this is more than just the Battle of Endor points release. This is a slight, and what we're what you'll see as we go through, it's actually a slight nerf to a bunch of different things. So, we're going to start with Captain Faroff, and what we see is that his loadout value actually went down to five he's still a four cost ship but he only has five loadout and he's rocking talent single crew slot and double um modification slot next down the list as i get my stuff in order we see the two new defenders, Captain Yor and Colonel Jendon. Captain Yor comes in, and these are standard loadout cards, by the way. Captain Yor comes in at 6, Colonel Jendon comes in at 7. Next, we see TIE Interceptors, and Maeus Munair is a standard loadout Battle of Endar Interceptor, and he comes in at 5 squad points. Next, Sapphire 2 comes in at 4, is 4 squad points, standard loadout as well, and then standard loadout Sunter Fell comes in at 5. Um, next, we go to the TIE LNs. We see for Battle of Endor, we've got Lieutenant Hels Hebsley comes in at 3 points, Major Meanda comes in at 4 points, and Sky. Three comes in at three points. Those are all standard loadout cards. Then we go into the bombers. And the first thing that we see is Major Reimer and Tomax Bren and the Gamma Squadron Ace. So they actually did something with a generic here. Um, all got reduced loadouts. So Major Reimer's three, his loadout now is seven. Uh, Tomex Bren um, coming at three, his or uh, squad value three loadout is seven, and the Gamma Squadron Ace is four and eight respectively. Then we see Scimitar one and Scimitar three, both four points from those bad, Battle of Endor SL cards, and that does it for the Empire. Now let's go into the Rebel. Now these ones haven't been spoiled yet. Um, the All of the Empire ones have been spoiled. If you're uh, really interested in what those do, I highly encourage you to listen to Cold Squadron's latest uh, podcast as they go through and uh, go over all of those um, ship 
<coughs> and pilot abilities, as well as all of their standard loadout goodies. All right, going into the Rebellion. So three Battle Vendor things in the B-Wing. We see Aiden Fox, Braylon Strom, and Gina Moonsong. So uh, Aiden Fox and Gina Moonsong are both at five points. Braylon Strom is at four, which is spicy, even though we don't know what he does yet. But a four-point B-Wing is uh, could potentially be, uh, uh, how, how do we say, very good. Very good. Um Next, down the Rebel shoot, uh, we see Fang Fighters, Bodica and Fen Rao, both lost some loadout value. Uh, Bodica is at 4 cost and 7 loadout, and Fen Rao is at 5 and 9. Um, then, we go to the YT-1300, and we see Battle of Endor Lando coming in at 7, which wasn't worth really surprised by that that's kind of where we thought it should be but here comes the big change for those that have been waiting for it han solo loses a bunch of loadout value goes down to 15 uh so han can still double tap but it's just not as meaningful um so lots of big changes in there um we can kind of speculate on Lando or Leia being the new uh, double tappers, but it's also they don't have the dice modification that Han does, so it's... I, I don't know. We... We're not going to know really know what the impact is. And here's the crazy thing is there's not a lot of big tournaments between now and Worlds. As a matter of fact, I don't think there's any... Um, aside from the local stuff. So we'll really have to pay attention to the local meta to see uh, the the impact of, of the full impact of this. I don't think we'll see the full impact until Worlds. That's just my personal opinion. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but um, we'll see. Anyway, moving on to A-Wings. We've got uh, Battle of Indoor. Um, and I'll, let me just go over those. Arvel, uh, Jimmer, and Tycho. Um, four, three, four in terms of their uh, cost. And then I'll notice another change here. Keel Venzi um, lost a little bit of loadout points. She's now seven. Uh, Rockin' Talent, Missile, and Configuration. Um, so a little change there. Going down, we've got some more Battle of Indoor stuff in X-Wings. So we have three. Uh, we'll start with uh, Kindly, Adele, uh, coming in at four points. So another four-point uh, T-65 X-Wing. And then both Wedge and Yendor are five points. Um, and then that does it for Rebel. Um, continuing down, the, I'm kind of scrolling through the points document, and I don't remember seeing any other changes when I looked at it. Um, and I'm seeing... Oh, we do have some changes in the resistance. Zori Bliss loses some loadout values. So she's four-costed, uh, but only nine loadout value now. Uh, Lulu Lampar is also four-costed, but ten loadout value now. And Jess Pava, four-costed, and only six loadout now so those changes there uh any other changes republic 
Yes, Republic Padme Amidala. Still four cost, but only 16 loadout now. Um, so she lost some loadout value. And then um, no other changes in the point stocks. So uh, a couple of, uh, of not heavy nerfs, but light nerfs. Um, the, the nerf bat did come out and struck a few of the most popular squads. How Rack escaped unscathed is beyond me, but um, his companions didn't, so maybe that was that was the answer. But uh, love to see it. Love to see changes right before a big event. Really kind of shakes things up, um, even if it's a little thing. Um I'm still excited to see it. I hope you are as well. All right. Let's change subjects, and we're going to go to the Australian um, last, and this just happens to be the last 2023-2024 walk. World Open Qualifier happened down in Australia at CanCon, and there were 32 players there. Now, again, we're we're a little bit lower than than what we see here typically in the states, um, but I'm not seeing as much coverage of this. So what we're going to do uh, is we're going to do our, our typical salt mines fashion here and look at the uh, mid tier list. But we're also going to talk just briefly about the top tier lists and see if anything kind of jumps out at us. So with that said, let's go ahead and start. And the uh, number one list was a Rebel list, and we see Sabine Wren with Beskar Reinforced Plating, Keo Venzi with Lone Wolf and Concussions, Wedge and Tilly's in the A-Wing with Marksmanship Crackshot, Boy Luke, and Han Solo with Trickshot, Percept, Copilot, Millennium Falcon, and Title and Bistan. So not surprised to see that standard metal list. We even talked about it a little bit last week. Um, but yeah, it, it's a good list. All right, coming in second place, we see uh, Darth Vader. I don't know if that was Boy Vader or SSP Vader. Then we see Sunter Fell with Marksmanship, Ruthless, and Shield Upgrade. Then we see uh, Bomber Pack Tomax Bren next to Bomber Pack Deathfire. And Major Rhymer with Feedback Ping, Cluster Missiles, Proton Bombs, and Skilled Bombardier. So a little bit different uh, loadout than we see on Major Rhymer, but again, this kind of goes into that thing where if you are, if you pick a faction and you pick solid pieces in that faction and you fly it well, you're gonna do well. I know it's it's a concept, but I will continue to preach that uh, until someone proves me wrong. All right, next. Next list is Resistance, and we see Ray with Heroic, Rose Tico, Fen, Deadman Switch, Engine Upgrade, and Ray's Millennium Falcon title. Nine Numb with Heroic, Watchful Astromech, Integrated S-Foils, Proton Torpedoes. Temin Wexley with Heroic, Watchful Astromech, S-Foils, and Homing Torpedoes. And Eloatsi with Marksmanship, Heroic, S-Foils, and Plasma Torpedoes. So a little bit different. I don't remember what Watchful Astromech does. I'm going to have to look that up here real quick. Um, let me just go to the resistance, throw in a T70 um, that can take it. Num Astromech. Watchful Astromech is two, which is after you perform a reload or rotate action if you 
are in an enemy ship's firing arc, you may perform a red calculate action. Okay. I guess I don't understand because these ships don't have either of those actions. I'm so confused. Anyway, let's move on. And, and please, if you guys see what, what I'm not seeing, put it in the Discord. Let me know. Say, hey, dumb butt, this is what that interaction is. Maybe I'm... Maybe I'm seeing some. Maybe you're seeing something I'm not. Okay. Next, we see Republic, and we see Sock Jag, Sock Oddball, customizable Wolf with expert handling, veteran tailgunner R4P astromech, customizable Click with marksmanship R3, Besh configuration, seismic charges, slider in the Z95 with dedicated, customizable Contrail. With Swarm Tactics R7A7 synchronized console and the Esk title, so uh, uh, three arcs, two V wings, and a Z95. Uh, six ships, solid pieces, right? Flown well, done well. All right. Next, we see another Empire list, and we see Rack with Ruthless, Darth Vader, Death Troopers, Agile Gunner, Electronic Baffle, and Dauntless Title. Rexler Brath with Juke, Fire Control System, Cluster Missiles, Tomax Bren, Bomber Pack, Tomax Bren, and Major Rhymer with Sat Savile, Barrage Rockets, and Ion Bombs. All right, all good pieces, right? The Defender is a little different, but, I mean, again, he flew well, so good job. Next, we see First Order, and we see Kylo Ren with Malice, Crackshot, Sensor Scramblers, Proton Torpedoes, Rush with Crackshot, Fanatical, Advanced Optics, Commander Malars with Magpulse Warheads, and Major Von Reg with Crackshot, Deuterium Power Cells, and Magpulse Warheads. Uh, I mean, it's four pieces. Flown well. Yeah, I can see it. All right, next we go back to the Resistance, and we see... A Y-Wing in Chorus, Capellium, uh, Dorsal Turret, Wartime Loadout, Lega Fosang with Diamond Boron Missiles, Wartime Loadout, Sasha Zara with Automated Targeting Priority, Dorsal Turret, Wartime Loadout, and Cluster Missiles, Zori Bliss, Marksmanship, Dorsal Turret, R4 Astromech, Wartime Loadout, and Tracer Missiles. <laughs> so we've got one, two, three, four Y-Wings that we just talked about. Then we've got Jarek Jaeger, with Marksmanship, Heroic, Concussion Missiles, Targeting Computer, Casas, Fireball. So that's five ships. And then rounding out the list is Eloasi with Marksmanship, Heroic, Integrated S-Foils, and Plasma Torpedoes. So six ship, Republic, or sorry, Resistance, and I, Beef? Question mark? Um, Solid pieces. I would never in a million years thought to put this together, but this person did it and did well doing that. So, um, yeah, that's a thing. All right, next we've got Rack, Rear Admiral Chernu with Ruthless, Death Troopers, Darth Vader, Agile Gunner, Electronic Baffle, Donald's Title, Bomber Pack, Tomax, Bomber Pack, Deathfire, Major Rhymer, Sat Salvo, Barrage Rockets, Ion Bombs, and Captain Faroff with Ruthless and Triple Zero. All good pieces. This is a metal list. We've talked about it before. Done well. 
All right. Next two, next three are actually all resistance, but all slightly different. So let's go down those. We start with Temin, Rex, Temin Wexley with Crackshot M9G8 S-Foils, Eloatsi Crackshot R6D8 S-Foils, 9-Num Elusive Pattern Analyzer R4 Astromech S-Foils Heavy Laser Cannon, and Poe Dameron in the Falcon with Trickshot Hondo Anako Ray Engine Upgrade and Ray's Falcon Title. I mean, it's, it's different, but it's good. You got three T-70s and a Falcon. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. All right, next we see Nimi with BB Astromech Pattern Analyzer and S-Foils. Jess Pava with Advanced Optics, R4 Astromech and S-Foils. Temin Wexley, Advanced Optics, BB Astromech and S-Foils. Vanessa Doza with Deadeye Shot, Barrage Rockets and S-Foils. And Eloatsi with Deadeye Shot, Advanced Optics, R4 Astromech and S-Foils. Again, 5T70. It's a thing. It may not be the best thing out there, but it's definitely going to be one of those gatekeeper lists that you have to get past. So, and then the next one, um, we see Poe Dameron in the Falcon, Trickshot, Heroic, Freelance Slicer, Ray, Contraband Cybernetics, Engine Upgrade, and Ray's Millennium Falcon title, 9-Num with Heroic, Pattern Analyzer, R5X3, Spare Parts, Canister, Integrated S-Foils, Jamming Beam, Eloatsi, with Marshmanship, Heroic, M9G8, and S-Foils, and Lulu Lampar with Starboard Slash, Lone Wolf, and Shield Upgrade. Good. All good pieces. Flown decently. Good job. Lots of resistance in Australia. I'm just looking at that. Could be a local thing. Could be uh, more just what they like to fly. Anyway... Uh, next we see, uh, Republic, and we see, this has got to be Sock Axe, Sock Kickback, uh, Sock Anakin, um, Customizable Boost with Synchronized Console ex Expert Handling, Customizable Slider with Synchronized Console and Fire Control System, uh, Oddball Customizable in the V-Wing with the Besh configuration, synchronized console, R4P astromech plasma torpedoes, and Contrail with ion bombs, the Besh configuration, synchronized console, and swarm tactics. So a whole lot going on here, um, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven ships, um, which you just don't see that often. Um, probably a good reason for that, uh, but this person did well, so can't can't completely discount it. I will point out that this person wasn't really playing objectives. Um, even at three wins, they only had 54 objectives, so... Um, but the bodies are there to do objectives, so I'm not quite sure um, how this person was... Um, was flying. Anyway, I digress. Next one, uh, surprise, surprise, resistance again. Poe Dameron in the William Falcon, trick shot, Ray's Falcon title. Ray, engine upgrade, perceptive co-pilot. Nine Numb, S-Foils, pattern analyzers, marks of all closure, heavy laser cannon, R5X3, Eloatsi, S-Foils, R6D8, marksmanship, predator, 
and Temin Wexley with S-Foils M9G8 Ferrisphere Paint and Marksmanship. Now I just point out this little combination that I just saw in here. So Predator and R68. So um, you kind of get to re-roll two in the bullseye <laughs> from those two different cards, which is kind of kind of neat. Um, but yeah. All right. Next one, we see Rebellion, and we see Han Solo, Trickshot, Perceptive, Copilot, Piston, Lando Calrissian with Hopeful, K2SO, Nine Numb, Ezra Bridger, Millennium Falcon title. Uh, looks like customizable Luke, so three ships, Heightened Perception, Marksmanship, Proton Torpedoes, R2-D2, and S-Foils. I mean, three ships, that's... That's ballsy. But two pancakes. Okay. All right. Anyway, two more lists that we're going to talk about. The first one, another resistance list. Eloatsi, Marksmanship, Heroic, R68, S-Foils, Temin Wexley, Heroic, Ferrisphere Paint, BB-8, BB Astromech, and S-Foils. Vanessa Doza with Marksmanship, Barrage Rockets, S-Foils, Caracoon, Heroic, M9G8, S-Foils, and Just Pava, Ferrisphere Paint, BB Astromech, and S-Foils. So, um, again, 5T70, we've talked about it. It's going to be a gatekeeper. Depends on how, you know, it's a flavor-to-taste list. Um, but there are going to be people flying. And then the last one that we'll talk about, another Rebel list. So, Han Solo, Trickshot, Perceptical Pilot, Biston, Millennium Falcon, Boy Luke, Harrison Dulu in the A-Wing with Marshmanship, Magpul's Warheads, and then Bodica with Predator, Mandalorian Optics, and Beskar Reinforced Plating. So again, we've seen this one before. You've got Han and, and Boy Luke kind of doing their thing, and then Hera flies around with Bodica saying, um, go ahead, shoot at me. Bodica's going to smack you. Um, which, neither here nor there. Anyway, so that's the... Australian walk, the last walk of there. Um, I'm going to take a short break and we'll get into our last subject. Stand by. Okay, that half second break was for you is actually a couple minute break for me to uh, kind of get some liquid down my throat because I've been talking quite a bit and needed that break. Excuse me. Anyway, let's get to the last thing that I wanted to talk about. And this is, what can you do to mentally prepare for a high-stake tournament? So let's assume that you haven't done one before. Um, this is going to be kind of an ongoing series over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to cover some different aspects of it. Um, but first, let's just start with the very, very basics. Um, what you can do. So the first thing that you're going to want to do um, is have a clear idea of what your goals are and how you will measure success. Um, that's probably the, the single thing. And you want... SMART goals here. So if you've never heard of uh, SMART goals, SMART goals, and I've talked about them before, they're um, specific, measurable, um, hold on, why am I blanking on this? 
da da da. Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. So if you're a brand new player and your smart goal is I'm gonna win the whole thing, that's probably um Boy, this is going to sound bad. It's probably not a smart goal. It's specific. It's measurable. Is it achievable? Right? Is it relevant? And is it time bound? Those are the things that you want to ask yourself when you're creating your goals. So, but having a realistic goal, like for me, um, typically in tournaments, especially high stakes tournaments, I will will typically have a positive record. Um, usually it's 3-2. So if I really wanted to stretch myself, I could say my my smart goal would be to make day two of uh, Worlds. Right, Swiss day two. Um, that might be a realistic goal. Or I might... I might go back and just fall into what I know. I just want to go 3-2 on day one. And I'd be happy. I I don't know what my specific goals for Worlds are yet. Um, I need to sit down and actually put some thought into it. As well as decide on a list. Which is going to be something else that's going to go into that. Um, but we're not there yet. We're not there. Right? This is This is... Overall, kind of looking at that thousand-foot view, what can I do um, in preparation for this tournament? And the first thing is set a smart goal. The next thing, train your mind. Now, what does that mean? Well, just like you would train your body or your skills, you need to train your mind to deal with the stresses that go on, especially during a um, X-Wing tournament. So something along those lines, something to help you improve your mental skills could be visualization, controlling your breathing, meditation, mindfulness, or this one is probably the most important, self-talk. Now, what do I mean by self-talk? Well, generally, and uh, some friends in... A different industry, put it this way, like if you heard someone talking to the to your best friend the way that you talk to yourself, would you intervene? And I intentionally pause there because I really want you to think about that. And I know I'm particularly bad at this. I am incredibly hard on myself. Um, and usually the first one... To go after, of well, dummy, why did you just do that? That was a stupid mistake. Gosh, you're such an idiot. Do you even know how to play this game? Um, those are things that typically go into my head. So you have to watch that self-talk. Because that's going to help you reduce your stress overall, enhance your concentration, boost your confidence, and help you cope with your emotions. Right? And you need to practice these on a regular basis. So that's sometimes going to mean putting yourself in situations before, and this is where it would be a good idea to go to local tournaments before Worlds, kind of help practice some of these things and work your way through that. And then another important part of, of this 
is seek feedback from you know someone you trust someone who watched the game maybe even your opponent the x-wing community is usually really good about that all right next manage your energy what do i mean by this well you're going to and i'll tell you this is something that i didn't do well at lvo i didn't do the self-talk well at lvo and um i tilted super hard from that um i'm really really bad about uh dice variants and realized that i'm not a very good opponent sometimes and that made me sad and makes me want to change it but um it's something that I need to work to improve. Well, manage your energy goes along those same things. One of the things that I didn't do during LVO is I did a pretty good job of staying hydrated, but I didn't manage my body. I didn't manage my energy. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, I have problems with my back. I've had problems with my back for decades now. Um, ever since... Um, I decided to try to pass my buddy on a go-kart track. Um, there's there's a story into that. If you see me in person, I'll be happy to tell it. I'm not going to get into it on the podcast. Anyway, uh, the idea is I know I have a problem with my back. And one of the ways that I deal with that during long tournaments is I sit down when I'm not doing something um, that requires me to be standing. Um, I did a terrible job of that at LVO, and I stood pretty much the whole time. And as a result, by the fourth game, my back was shot. And it kind of rolled over into the next day. So manage your energy, manage your body, um, make sure you're avoiding burnout staying by staying hydrated, exercising, and I know in the X-Men community we're really bad about this, but we try to pack up all our stuff as quick as we can, and then we run to the next spot, and then we set everything up really quick, and usually we're going right into the next game. But take a break between matches as best you can. Doing that will help you manage your energy. The next thing, prepare for challenges. No matter how well you prepare, you're going to face challenges you weren't expecting. There might be uh, technical issues, unexpected opponents, uh, mistakes, or here's a big one for our game, dice variants. Um, Do what you can to prepare for these situations, but be flexible. And don't let them rule the day. And this is where that self-talk, right? You use that positive self-talk, and that's going to help you overcome some of these uh, some of these challenges that you might face. Here's the next one, and this one's probably one of the most important ones. I mean, they're all really, really important, but this one in particular is. Enjoy the game. Right? 
And this this goes into a lot of different things, but if you're playing X-Wing at a high-stakes tournament, um, you probably already like the base part of the game. But make sure beyond that that you're doing the rest of the game. Make sure that you're enjoying that part. So bring a list that you like to fly. Um, that's one of the things that, that I'm struggling with. And uh, honestly... I put a little bit of thought on it today, but I don't know that I'm going to fly the list that's in my box right now. Um, just because while it's a good, solid list, I don't inf- enjoy flying it as much as other lists. So I'm going to be going in and kind of putting things together um, and changing up a little bit what's in my box. But all of that goes into the fact that I enjoy the game i enjoy certain aspects of it um where am i going with this don't let the competition take away your love for the game right i think that's that's kind of the biggest part all right and then the the last thing i'll talk about and again this is this is that thousand foot view of you're going to a big tournament, what should you do? Well, keep learning. Every game you play, there is something to learn. Sometimes it's what not to do. I played a game this last weekend where I faced uh, Fen Rao. I faced him twice. The first time I faced him, I'm like, I know he's going to do a hard three here. And if I do a two bank, I'm going to be just fine and just out of range two. And then I forgot about his ability to boost, misjudged the distances, and um, got smacked pretty hard. Um, But it was something to learn. What I learned, and I talked to my opponent about it, is had I, instead of just focused and sat there, if I had focused and barrel rolled pilot left and back, even if he boosted, I still would have been at range two. Right? These These are things that you can learn. Um, so learn from them, look at the game, analyze it, and not every, not everything gets streamed. So you have to be able to kind of break down the game in your head, but it's important that you do that in order to keep learning. And sometimes you're going to learn something in round two that's going to apply in round four. So keep that in mind as you're doing this stuff. My, my chemistry teacher in high school, uh, I don't know if I've, I've told this story on the podcast, if I've had, just deal with it. If I haven't, um, try to take a lesson from it. But uh, when you were in biology the year before, at the end of your biology year, she would come by and she would talk about two different types of students that she'd want in her class or that she gets in her class. And she said, the first one is the know-it-all student. And she represented that with a beaker. And she had a bunch of styrofoam pellets. And she put all these styrofoam pellets in this beaker. And eventually, no more styrofoam pellets would fit. She's like, this student already knows it all. Can't be taught anything. And you can see there's a finite amount of knowledge that, yeah. And then she had another student. Then she had another beaker with this uh, liquid in the bottom of it. And um, she would put those styrofoam pellets into this one. She's like, this student is 
open to learning. And she would just keep putting styrofoam pellets into the speaker. And she could just keep putting and putting and putting and putting just more and more styrofoam pellets. Now, um, it's there's a chemical reaction going on, obviously. Um, but that lesson always stuck with me in that if you look, there is always something that you can learn in almost any situation. It's especially true in X-Wing. And while dice variance is a thing in our game, and sometimes it drives me absolutely bonkers, the fact of the matter is that my positioning put me, the choices that I made put me in a position where dice variance could either seal the nail in the coffin or, um, you know, help help me in some way. And the same is going to be true for you. How you play the game, the positions that you put your ships in, the decisions you make round to round affect the dice variance. Now, I'm not saying that if you do a too hard that the dice are going to say, oh, that was the right position, here's a great result. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is where you put your ships makes a difference in how the random aspect of the game, the dice variance, plays out. Good or bad. Right? I think that's one of the things that high-level players have learned that maybe the rest of us need to catch up on. All right. Anyway, I think that's going to be a good spot to uh, to stop. If you're interested, um, where I got my information is from LinkedIn, advice on how can you mentally prepare for high-stakes esports tournaments. Um, I think it's a, the same kind of thing that happens. Um, next week, we'll be going over a uh, another article from Cyber Athletics Esports-specific training. Um, and we'll go into a little bit more detail that's specifically X-Wing related. Um, but thank you very much for listening to this point. Let's head into our last segment. If you've made it this far, thank you very much for your time. It means a lot to me. Please consider leaving a review however you consume this podcast. It lets other people know why they should listen and tell your friends. Thank you to our patrons, who without this podcast would not be possible. As you know, I like to end each episode with a question. And this week's question is... What type of X-Wing learner do you want to be? This is Sailor Joe. Signing off.
Bienvenido.